Welcome to the Granite Gals podcast. This is the podcast where we interview female hikers who hike the right mountains. I am Alexandra Her, And I am Sage Her. We are 14 and 12 year old hikers who have been hiking the 4,000 footers since we were little. We have done the 4,000 footers, the 52 with the view, trail rights, and many other mountains. The opinions that we personally express in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of our interviewee or of any organizations we may mention. Today we are interviewing Allison Driscoll, an experienced four-season hiker. Mrs. Driscoll has done the John Muir Trail as well as created the 4K Trail to Summit Hiker Challenge. Welcome to Granite Gals. Thank you. When did you start hiking and why do you like to hike? So I started hiking when I was really little. I was hiking just smaller stuff, you know, waterfall hikes, typical basis that, you know, a little kid would do. And then started really getting back into it around high school is when I was really getting into hiking per se. And I started doing the 4,000 footer list in 2012, Um, actually 2011 to 2012. That's when I fell in love with the list and really got addicted to hiking. Really started hiking Mm -hmm. early. Mm -hmm. It's great. Why I like to hike it's a huge variety. So I love I love solo hiking and I love group hiking for different reasons. My biggest love for hiking, which a lot of non-hikers don't understand, is being outside all day by yourself and having your own thoughts in your heads and be able to just walk for miles or walk just for a few miles and do what you want. So those are the main reasons. Of course, the views, you know. I would be lying Definitely. if I didn't say I don't like for the views. <laughs> They're always nice. Yeah. <laughs> What's your favorite 4K? That is a really hard question. So <laughs> I'm going to cheat. My favorite hike is to do the Bonds. And I'm even going to go farther into cheating in this question. <laughs> and my favorite way to do the Bonds is to do Hale Zealand, the Bonds, and then the next day do the Twins. So wow. I know that is more than one peak, but that's my favorite. <laughs> I love staying up at Gio, um, doing an overnight. I did find a route where you can start at the North Twin Trailhead and then do um, a herd path and do that whole hike with just one car. So that's a really fun one. Any way to do the bonds, except in the winter, those were not my favorite hikes. <clears throat> so just um, the variety of conditions and everything makes each hike special. And, uh, you know, I love the presidentials. I've done a, a few one-day presidential traverses. Uh, sometimes Tecumseh is really fun, and that day it's my favorite hike. So it, just re- it really depends, uh, but I will say the bonds. What is especially great about the presidentials? Um, just the challenge of the whole thing and being above treeline for so long. I actually, I wouldn't recommend this to anyone else. The way I did the presidentials, um, I had never hiked any of them before. And I, it was a mindset thing, so I actually decided to hike as much as I could of them. I knew all my bailout points. I did tons and tons of research, and I had done not nearly enough of the 4,000 footers before I had done this whole hike. And just decided if I got to Washington, I'd be happy. If I did Madison and Adams and that was it, I'd be happy. And I ended up doing the whole thing. So I did the whole, you know, 20-mile traverse, first time ever hiking any of them. That's awesome. Yeah, it was, um, I hated it at first. It was really (laughs) cold and it was early spring and it was dark and wet. My legs weren't working and it was awful. So literally everything you shouldn't do. I actually, I slept at the Appalachia Trail, had my car, which you're not supposed to do. And even if you could, I wouldn't recommend it because every tractor trailer just seemed like it was going through my car. So I slept maybe four hours. 
maybe two hours. Um, I, I just didn't really sleep. And then uh, my legs just weren't, you know, agreeing with me because you have, what, 5,000 feet of elevation gain from the get-go. And it was dark and slippery. And even when I got up to Madison, it was, there were no views. And I still didn't feel like I could do it. And the whole time, I was, and I was solo. So the whole time I was like, hmm, I'm not disappointing anyone. I'm just going to turn around. I hate this. This is awful. And then when I got to Adams, I still had no views. And it was just crazy windy. And I was up on top, like, hunkered in the rocks, eating a snack. And this group that was from um, Washington, D.C., they were hiking. And they kind of found me up there. And they thought I was insane. And that's when I really loved it. So that's like <laughs> the, what I loved about the presidentials was, you know, this whole being able to challenge yourself to the most extreme level while still being sane enough to know what your ballot points are and knowing your limits, uh, pushing them, but not do anything too drastic and stupid. So <laughs> I think that's a great tactic. Yeah. yeah. What lists or mountains besides the 4Ks have you hiked or what are you working on? Um, I've been really uh, hyper-focused on the 4Ks for a while, so I, I started, did the whole list in a year, and then um, I've been repeating them and talked to the 4,000-footer committee about creating the all-season 4,000-footer uh, list, which has the uh, 48 hours of trail maintenance right. added to that, which is really uh, important. I started working on the 100 highest a couple of years ago and that's when I really got obsessed with doing the 4,000 footers and every 100 highest um, peak I was trying to connect it with the 4,000 footer so then I put that aside and I really continued to work on you know having all the 48 done each season. I, I kind of got to a point where now I'm working on probably 20 lists at the same time. <laughs> Just every time I go and hike something, it's with the intention of doing one of the lists, but I don't want to pinpoint myself if I'm working on this list. So I have three in the back, the northern Baxter region to do. I have Boundary Peak, and I have um, one in the Rangeley area that was a sub-peak because when I was working on the New England 67, I didn't hike to that peak because I told myself I would never do the 100 highest list because I didn't want to bushwhack. And I've done most of the really difficult bushwhacks except for the northern Baxter ones. So I'm working on that one. I am doing the terrifying 25 list. I am doing, I have to do up Jefferson a bunch more times. Um, Basically, I think I've done all of the non-mandatory ones. I have those covered. And the mandatory ones, I'm still working on some of those. Um, I'm working on the 52 with a view. Basically, for that list, anytime I'm hiking with a friend or family member, someone that's not an obsessive, crazy hiker, those are always good ones to bring someone on. So I've been tracking that. I'm not not working on redlining, but that's something that I started kind of tracking. And then I have my own um, challenge list that we'll talk about in a little bit that I've been doing. Oh, and one of the ones I really want to work on is the... Um, Loops and scoops. Have you heard of that one? No, I haven't. You have to go to a New Hampshire-based creamery within 24 hours of a hike. So ice cream and hiking. <laughs> wow. So I'm, I'm working on that one. <laughs> so, and I've done the bell naps. Um, so yeah, a bunch of lists right now. I'm just hiking and it's just fun to keep track of the lists and use it as a motivating factor to get to different places. But I've kind of stepped away from like doing the list in a, a way that a lot of people are doing it. Um, except I'm, I'm doing another round of the 4,000 footers with my dog. So you just kind of 
pick and choose between different lists so you're not tied down to anything. Exactly. Yeah, do what you want. Yeah. Exactly. So eventually, you know, it's one of those things that it was crazy because two years, when I finished the winter 4,000 footers, that's when I finished the all season, uh, four, the four season 4,000 footer list. And I was listed as the youngest person to finish the winter ones that year. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to be the youngest one to finish the 100 highest. And I just don't care anymore. <laughs> so it's one of those things I just, you know, if, if I want to go up and, and go on vacation or um, travel up to the Baxter State Park area, then I'll go in and I'll finish the 100 highest. But yeah, I just kind of stopped caring about timeline and just really enjoying it. Yeah. Cool. Where have you hiked in addition to the White Mountains? What is your favorite place to hike outside the Northeast? Um, I like to go on vacations with hikes in mind. So my my husband likes to hike, but he is not a backpacker. He has a bad knee. So um, doing all of these crazy New England hikes, it's amazing. Different locations, and you guys know, different locations outside of New England, the trails are typically easier. um, Yes. Yeah, it's just like, you know, terrain-wise, they're much easier. So it's always fun exploring different areas. We just got back from the Azores, um, which is off the coast of Portugal, but it's really in the middle of the ocean. I believe it's about 800 miles off the coast of Portugal. And they have some of the highest peaks in the world, but most of most of it is underwater. So it's they're relatively easy um, hikes to do, and they're just gorgeous. So I loved it out there, um, out west. So the John Muir Trail that was really amazing. Um, I've done some hikes in Israel. I did some hiking in the Alps. We went to Germany and Austria for a honeymoon. So I really sneak in, getting as much hiking as I can um, wherever I can. So do you have a favorite place that you like to hike between the ones that you listed? The Alps. It was kind of the, the worst day of hiking, but then the best day afterwards. We were in Munich. It was just pouring and there's a thunderstorm and it was just crazy. So we ended up deciding that we were going to this hike that we had planned the next day and we, we thought it would be fine. So we ended up taking a train and a, you know multiple ways of transportation to get to this really remote area um, in Germany. We were going to do a chairlift up to a certain portion because there weren't any trails on the lower end of, of the mountain. And we ended up taking this chairlift which was a single seat metal chairlift with no safety bar and both of us had our large backpacks for the whole two weeks that we were there strapped to the front of us and we started going up. Fog started rolling in and maybe a minute later it started hailing on us and then there was thunder and lightning and I swear it was a 15 minute chairlift ride. It went diagonally up the mountain. I didn't think we were going to die. I just thought we were going to get divorced because it was on our honeymoon. (laughs) And my husband, like I said, he he likes to hike, but he's not as obsessive. I was soaked because I was wearing um, a hiking skirt and a t-shirt and all of my stuff was in my pack and I didn't want to take any of it out because it would get wet. So I was freezing, and the whole entire way up the mountain, it was just really cold and raw, and there was no views. And then we got up to the top. Basically, everyone had canceled that was going to stay at the hut because they were smart and looked at the weather. And we were just, we were on vacation, so, you know, I look at three different weather sources whenever I go on a hike around here. Out there, I was like, hmm, we'll just go. We already paid for it. So, I, and I had to translate the whole website from German to English to do this to reserve the hut. And I knew there was going to be this amazing, like, four course meal. So, we were just, we were going to go and do it anyway. 
So we ended up going up, we had the whole cabin to ourselves, and the next day the views were just gorgeous. It just made it all worth it, and my husband was like, oh, this is, you know, I this was a really good hike. I had a lot of fun. <laughs> I was like, really? Who are you? <laughs> I didn't think you would say this. So it's just, it's gorgeous. It does remind me a lot of New England in some ways. And then just the kind of wilderness experience I had out on the JMT, that's another really beautiful, um, fun, and unique trail that I got to experience. Speaking of the JMT, uh, you hiked the trail in 2014. Mm-hmm. You started one week before us. What did you like about the John Muir Trail? Was there anything that you didn't like about it? I waved to you guys, did you see? <laughs> when I was finished. <laughs> the experience was fantastic. Out there, you know, we have all these trees in New England. And, you know, sometimes as you're hiking, you don't get these beautiful views and rewards. Out there, you do get those rewards the whole time. Um, I hate switchbacks. I found out <laughs> after, you know, actually during my hike out there that I really don't like switchbacks. I don't like seeing the top of where I'm going all day. I'd rather have it be a surprise and get up there more difficult, you know, more difficult trail but quicker. But the terrain was so easy. Um, I had no altitude issues, so that was really great. I was able to do a few 20-mile days and uh, finish a day earlier than I expected just because of the terrain. So that was great. There's so much water. It's just a beautiful area to hike in. Um, Most of the people were fantastic, so that was a plus. And then the only real negative, we had three full days of rain, which I was fine with. They said it was, you know, this natural disaster, and I was like, what do you mean? It's just raining. (laughs) So, you know, I was very used to that. Actually, pretty much everyone that I had met on the trail had quit because of the rain, and then as soon as everyone quit, it stopped raining. So it goes to show you just just keep hiking. So the only big negative was... uh, when I was at the last resupply station at the Muir Trail Ranch, my bucket came in and someone had emptied it in town. It showed up and I didn't have any food. Uh-oh. So it was crazy. I gave the woman at the, um, you know, the little outbuilding where they keep all the food my ID and she said, hmm. Oh, Allison, I know you. And it turns out that she knew my name because I was the one who Um, No one else has ever had their food stolen. And um, when they picked up my bucket, for those that are unfamiliar, basically you pay crazy, I think it's 70 or $80 now. You mail out your resupply bucket, which is a Home Depot five gallon container. You mail it into a town in California and then they have mules and they bring it into the resupply area. So you do all that and when they went to go into town, it was empty, but they still put it on the mule and they still brought it over to me in case I wanted an empty bucket. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it was crazy. So thankfully, I had met a group of people, um, and I was stoveless. So when I went to the resupply, there's all of these buckets of food that people don't want. And I got some tortillas, which was great. And there was so much peanut butter, so that was helpful. And they were really nice. They actually gave me two boxes of stuff that people just hadn't shown up. There's one from Australia. It was mostly menstrual pads and batteries, so that wasn't helpful. (laughs) And the other one, he had a bunch of um, cup of soup things, which have no calories in them. And he had a a five-quart bag or whatever size, a large uh, Ziploc of five days' worth of ramen, and that wasn't helpful. But he did have jerky, so I took that with me. Um, It turns out it was moldy, even though it wasn't opened yet, which was odd, so I couldn't eat that. (laughs) 
Um, so it was one of those things I did cry for about five minutes because I had no food and it was horrible. And I met a group of people that were really fantastic. They thought it would take them longer. Of course, they mailed themselves triple the amount of food they needed. They happened to have grown like all their own tomatoes and he was a chef and they made their own food. So I said, you know what? I don't know if you like hiking with me or not, but I'm going to be hiking with you and carrying some of your food because I need a stove. (laughs) So it worked out really well. That was the only kind of crisis along the hike. Everything else, you know, rains rain and it was just, it was a lot of fun. I was able to do more than I thought I was able to, which was really, um, it was really great to test yourself and do something you've never done before and and realize that, oh, I can do it, and I can do it a little bit better than I thought. Cool. On your blog, trailtosummit.com, you created the Trail to 4K Hiker Challenge. Explain what it is and tell us how you came up with it. People. Um, That was the biggest uh, incentive of creating this hiker challenge group. So I joined a lot of the Facebook, the 4,000 footer groups a while back, like years ago when they had started out and the numbers were were pretty low. There's so many groups now, so I'm, I'm part of a lot of them. With growing numbers, you get different personalities and I was finding that there's a lot of really helpful people and a lot of great people and you get a lot of inspiration from those groups and One of the biggest issues I was having with these groups is you have a new hiker that, you know, we all started out as new hikers. And I was finding that people were asking basic questions and getting either really sarcastic responses or kind of getting upset with them that they should know. And when you're a new hiker and you don't know the answers, you might not know that a sarcastic answer is a sarcastic answer and that they're not serious about something. I'm sure you guys have seen in you know the past couple of years how many rescues there have been. And I just feel like there wasn't a really great resource for people that aren't these expert hikers. You know, I feel fortunate to be able to experience everything I've been able to do. A lot of people don't have the time and and don't have the capacity of spending an entire day out in the woods hiking. So I really wanted to kind of pass that passion along to people that were newer hikers. So basically what the challenge is, is uh, five five hikes, and I'm actually uh, revamping it a little bit. So there's going to be five themes which I already have, I'm expanding it out so people in different areas, maybe if you live in Maine, you can pick one of three hikes that goes along with a theme. And all of these are meant to help people prepare to then hike the 4,000 footers if they want, or just get them out doing, you know, maybe they want to do the 52 with a view list, or maybe they're trying out hiking, next year they're gonna try out rock climbing, you know, they just want to try out different things and it's a really great way for them to do that. Right now there's five mandatory hikes and then there's four challenge hikes. So some of the the mandatory hikes are to do, um, Belknap is the first one and that's just to get out there and experience being on a trail. One of them is to do uh, Welch and Dickey and that's a two for one. There's one that is ladders and caves and when you're hiking the the white mountains you're gonna eventually run into a section that has a ladder or something crazy and i'd rather people be doing that on a smaller scale starting out and then there's challenge hikes so one of them is to do kearsarge for sunrise and the purpose of that one not only is it to see something beautiful that you've never been able to experience seeing a sunrise from a, a mountaintop is amazing 
The other reasoning behind that is when you're hiking in the fall and winter and early spring and there's a lot less daylight, you're getting used to getting up early. You're, you understand that kind of initial reaction of, okay, it's three o'clock in the morning, no one else is up, and it's really dark, and the whole drive is going to be dark, and the whole time I'm hiking below treeline is going to be dark. And that's a completely different, scary, and interesting experience that most people don't have. And to be able to have a whole support system of people that say, I've never done this either. One of the biggest factors that I've been seeing with the people that are in the group are a lot of people that think they're too slow to hike with anyone else. So now we have a whole group of people that think they're too slow to hike with anyone else. <laughs> so everyone can hike together. So I honestly, I thought maybe 50 people would join and it's over 300 people and yeah, it's great. It's yeah, it's it's crazy. I just I didn't think it would be that big. So now I have a leadership committee, uh, leadership team that's that started up. So anyone that really wants to bump up their leadership abilities, um, we have hike leaders, not organized in a way that you have to have certifications. It's just people that really want to really take charge of the planning aspect of it, that they want to look at maps and help, you know, talk to people and, you know, help them prepare beforehand. It's just a bunch of people getting in and hiking together. Then there's community leaders, so people that are really there to support and encourage other people in the group, making sure that we have um, articles being posted. Um, someone just did one on using a whistle. You don't just blow into it, there's different signals. And and information that people just had no idea. Maybe if there's a uh, map and compass course, someone's posting that on. So it's a little community for people to just learn all different aspects about hiking. Yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun. It sounds like an amazing idea. <laughs> yeah, it it's really get um, people out there. Yeah, it, that's that's been the, the the beauty of it is just getting people out there. Have you ever experienced sexism directed towards you on the trail? Absolutely. <laughs> on the trail, off the trail, relating to hiking, yes. When I was preparing to hike the John Muir Trail, I joined another Facebook group. Um, I really do like these Facebook groups, but there's just some people that there's some problems with. You know, there's always uh, there's always going to be someone. So when I decided I was going to hike the trail, um, I am such a big planner. If I go on vacation or if I'm going somewhere and doing something, I, I plan like four different spots we could stay at and I'm, I'm a big planner. So I had a full itinerary knowing that you're, you can't have an itinerary when you're doing a, a, a longer hike. You know, day two I knew it was gonna change. So I had an itinerary, it was a 16 day itinerary for the John Muir Trail and the average time for people to hike it tends to be about 25 days. I put it out there, I said, here's my itinerary. It was very detailed. Um, can someone that's hiked it before or familiar with the area look at it to, to make sure that there's nothing glaring? So I wanted to make sure that my shorter mileage days weren't extremely easy and I could have added mileage or my, you know, a really difficult section. I wasn't adding, I wasn't planning on a 15 mile day when it, I wasn't going to be able to do half of that. So just getting another another set of eyes. From that question, I had someone that told me that New Hampshire didn't have any mountains. That was first. Um, and then someone else in the same thread told me that uh, Disneyland's in California too and I should just go there instead. And he used like a couple of sexist wow. terms. Yeah. I had um, people tell me that um, I should go with a man just because... I'm a woman and it's not safe. And I really don't understand, you know, 
yes, we have to figure out what sports bra is going to work for us and, you know, dealing with your period on the trail and everything else is the same as a man hiking the trail. So I thought that was crazy. When I got back, I had at least two people tell me that they're surprised nothing happened to me, which was, yeah, that was, there's a lot of eye rolling happening. Um, a lot of people, I, so I set out on the trail um, solo, which if you've ever hiked, if anyone's ever hiked the John Muir Trail, you stop for 10 minutes and there's someone. So you're never solo, really. I've noticed that when people talk to men about, about hiking and they mention they're going solo or they did the hike by themselves, the conversation continues. And I notice when I talk to people and they say, oh, who did you hike with or who are you going to hike with? And I say, oh, I'm going solo. And then the conversation ends. So I find that very interesting. Then I've had people, for example, I was going up to Lafayette and it was raining. And it, was, it was at night and I was planning on doing that at night. And I had all my gear, I had my rain gear on and I was all set. And I had probably six different people tell me that I was crazy for going on the hike and I shouldn't be doing it by myself and am I carrying a gun? And, you know, I, I go, um, I'm an ultralight hiker, so I, I carry the gear I need and a lot of it is in a lighter fashion. I have scoliosis, so I just physically can't carry 40 pounds day after day after day. So, yes, I had a smaller pack on and I had all my rain gear on and I had people coming out of the trail at the Lafayette Trailhead with shorts on and bright red legs telling me that I was unprepared to do a hike. And I was like, mm, are you sure? Like, is that you or the hypothermia talking? <laughs> and it was just, it's crazy. And same thing, um, actually, when I hiked the John Muir Trail, I got a lot of sexist comments about being a woman and having not enough gear. And I had, you know, until I didn't have any food, I had plenty of gear. So it was one of those things that I do get a lot of comments I should just like start keeping track if it's non-hikers or hikers. Um, and also men versus women. I'm really shocked when women have negative comments about me hiking by myself. Um, especially I went to school in Boston and I feel much safer on a trail by myself versus in a city, even though I lived in the city for a couple of years. And I've never felt threatened by anyone hiking on a trail. And you know, I just adopted a dog um, a year or so ago. So I feel like because of that, I've been getting less comments. I don't know if she's going to do like Kung Fu and karate <laughs> chop someone, but she, she sees someone and she licks them. So yeah. I don't know how that helps. But perception-wise, people just stop asking questions. So. That must be so frustrating because you're is. so experienced. Oh, yeah. I have people that they are going the wrong way and then they are like, oh, well, I obviously have no idea what I'm talking about or doing because, I don't know, <laughs> because I'm a woman. It just, yeah, it can be frustrating. And then on the flip side, I had mentioned I led a, I ran a meetup group for about five years. I would often be the hike leader with all men who I have this one picture of me and I'm probably at least a foot shorter than everyone else. And everyone was asking me, you know, oh, who, who are you hiking with? And I was like, oh, this is my group that I'm leading. And, you know, and the people that I was leading, the people within the group, they thought I was a great leader and they had no problems with me being a woman. Tell us about your most memorable animal encounters on the trail. 
I haven't had anything too exciting or crazy on the trail. I did just see a young timber rattlesnake right in Northwood Meadow State Park, which is a really local trail for me, which I guess they're really rare. So I emailed Fish and Game. They're like, oh, can you describe it to us? And so that was cool. It, it rattled at me. Um, that's how I knew it was a, a rattlesnake. So that was cool. So that was the other day. I've seen a couple of moose. I think the most um, memorable actually wasn't, it wasn't on the trail. We were in Twin Mountain at a restaurant and in the woods, right by the restaurant, because they know where the good food is, there was a, a baby, there was a bear cub. And this man told me, I was at a good distance trying to get a photo and he said, oh, come closer. And I was like, um, no, no, I'm not going to go closer to this bear cub. And he's like, oh, the bear's two and a half years old. The mother bear's not around. And I was like, all right, Mr. Hickey, Mr. Bear expert, <laughs> oh my how goodness. do you know that? He didn't. And I was like, well, actually, if you turn around, the mother bear is right behind you. And she was probably 100 <laughs> yards away, but she was in a tree, very angry. And oh she, gosh. you know, growled at him. And I went inside to eat before I saw him get mauled because that's I was sure that was going to happen next. Um, so that was a really interesting, just funny animal encounter. But yeah, on the trail, I've seen fox and coyote and I've never seen a bear on the trail. I've seen um, tons of bear prints. Um, I was doing Mount Nancy, I think two years ago, early spring, and there was tons of bear tracks that were extremely fresh, and then they just disappeared. And I don't know where they went, and then they continued again. And it, there was snow on the ground. So I don't know what happened with that bear. It was probably behind me, but I feel like there's more wildlife around us than we realize. So you've hiked solo a lot. Do you prefer mm -hmm. hiking solo over hiking with a group of people? I do prefer hiking solo. When you're hiking solo, you can decide, yeah, I'm going to spend 20 minutes taking a thousand photos of this flower and only use <laughs> one of them, and it's not even going to come out that great. Or you can decide that you had a really, you know, you hiked faster and farther than you thought you were going to be able to and decide to do an additional peak. But yeah, if I, if I any given day, if I had a choice, I like to just leave a note at home, hop in my car, and go, and sometimes on the way, I'm like, I'm going to do this hike, and then I change my mind, and I do something else, and I just, you know, text my husband, hey, I decided to do this hike on this trail instead, and it's nice to be able to kind of look at the clouds as you're going up 93 and deciding last minute that you want to hike something different versus, you know, having to agree with someone else. That makes sense. So what's next? Do you have any specific hiking-related plans for the future? Yeah, I have the 20 lists I'm working on. And um, yeah, so I, I am working on, I think it's my fifth slash sixth round of the 4,000 footers in New Hampshire. With I'm doing that with my dog. And I think she has six that she's completed. She's a year and a half. So I've been really working to take it slow with her and make sure she's developing and all that before doing anything crazy. So she's she's done a few of those. I'd love to finish up the 100 highest list. So that's another thing that I'm doing. Other hiking plans. Yeah, just, just continue on um, doing those lists. I want to do some more overnights, um, you know, some longer, some longer stuff. Uh, I always love sleeping in the woods, and so that's uh, kind of a big plan for me is to do um, more of that. I don't have anything crazy or wild, just really helping other people experience the trail. That's that's kind of been the, the latest theme is getting more people out there. So now uh, here are some questions unrelated to hiking, mm -hmm. which we ask everyone who's a guest on the podcast. What do you do for a living? So I am a realtor, which is um, something I switched over to a couple of years ago. So last time we had met, I was a teacher. 
world of teaching and education, as you all are familiar with, is very political and very test-driven. So it was something I wasn't as inspired um, after kind of hitting multiple walls and the trailer I was teaching in was condemned because I had mold and all this crazy stuff. So just crazy um, in the world of education. And I was working for um, a company called Gossamer Gear, doing their uh, social media and marketing. And I really loved doing that. So I'm still working with that. And I was looking for something that I could combine with education and marketing. Then when I was buying my house, I had a really horrible experience with a realtor. And just a light bulb went off. I was like, wow, I could do a better job than her. And it's teaching people. It's really helping people with, you know, a major stress in their life and marketing. So it's just been amazing. My office is right here in Concord, New Hampshire, and I work all over the state. It's, it's actually really great because I've been able to explore these tiny little little trails and um, unique parts of the state so it's been great cool what's your favorite food ice cream (laughs) (laughs) me too if you could either fly or be invisible which one would you choose and why I guess if I had enough practice, then flying wouldn't be scary. I feel like it would be really scary to be able to fly. But you'd be able to get to places much faster. I'd love to be able to, like, teleport places, and I think flying would be the closest to that. So I would never be late to anything. I could go I could go to so many things and places, so I think I'd, I'd want to fly. Cool. Dogs or cats? I have both. I like dogs, though, because they're, they're more social. There's some really cool cats, but... Chips or popcorn? Popcorn. Cheddar or Swiss? So if you had like Gouda, I would not be able to resist that. Cheddar or Swiss, I'm like, I don't I don't feel anything about either one of those. <laughs> I don't have a strong connection to oh. cheddar or Swiss. <laughs> okay. So summer hiking or winter hiking in the whites? Winter. Um, winter is definitely my f- absolute favorite season to hike in. Even if you have no views, it's just beautiful. And the beginning of every winter season, always like it's freezing in the parking lot and it's windy and I have to carry all this gear and why how did I do this last year and I hate this and then you start hiking and you sweat like five pounds then you see you know like these little rabbit tracks and it's just gorgeous (laughs) and then I remember every year why I love winter hiking thank you so much yeah of course thank you so much for having me on the preservation of the environment is important if we want to continue having beautiful mountains to hike We strongly encourage you to donate to Union of Concerned Scientists, or UCS. It is an amazing organization that does important scientific research to help prevent negative effects of climate change. You can learn more about UCS and donate to their organization at ucsusa.org.